Good morning. My name is Van Taylor, and I am the CEO of Protégé Podcast, an international podcast that is spreading the gospel one story at a time. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to The Power of the Anointing, Part 2, The Corporate Anointing. In part one of this series, we learned that the first thing we have to recognize is that God anoints his people for a purpose. He anointed Jesus and he anoints his children. If you have not yet listened to part one, the individual anointing, I strongly encourage you to do so before continuing with this portion of the study. We also learned that there are many different kinds of anointing, but that there is both an individual anointing and there is what is commonly called a corporate anointing. The corporate anointing, in the simplest terms, a corporate anointing is what happens when more than one believer is in the same place and there is a singleness of purpose between them. The scripture seems to indicate that not only is this somewhat different from the individual anointing in the sense that it affects more than one person, but also that the corporate seems to be one of greater power. Perfect unity. Second Chronicles 5 verses 13 through 14. It came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Notice in the above passage that the first key we see is that all of the priests, 120 of them according to verse 12, were in the same place. And just as important, they were acting as one and making one sound. There were in unison and in perfect agreement as to their purpose and intent. There weren't some who were praying or singing about one thing while others were praying and singing about something else nor were some off in another place while others were gathered together here. They were all in one place, and they were all doing the same thing, with the same purpose, acting as one. Now let's take a look at the similarity in the passages in the book of Acts. Acts 2 verses 1 through 4. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 4 verse 23 through 31. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is and when they prayed the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake of the word of God with boldness did you notice that just as in the account given to us in Chronicles in both of these instances the people were all in one place and they were acting in one accord with one purpose and intent. And although many more examples could be listed here as well, notice that in each of these instances where there was a gathering of believers together acting corporately as one, that great power was released. The temple of God, as filled with the glory of God, so much so that the priests couldn't even stand up to minister. Second Chronicles 5.14 There was a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and the fire of God appeared, and those presents were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. The place was shaken. The whole building shook because of the power that was released. Acts 4, 31. Even a small gathering of believers who are together in one place and acting together with singleness of purpose can generate a release of this power. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosened. Acts 16, verses 25 through 26. Here, we have only two believers assembled together in one place and singing and praising God together as one. And the result was that there was such a release of the power of God that it caused an earthquake that shook the very foundations of the prison. Even more notable is the fact that not only were Paul and Silas freed, but all of the prisoners had their shackles thrown off. 
and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Isaiah 10:27. The corporate anointing is so very powerful that it can affect not only you, but everyone in the vicinity. Assembling together. Can you see now why it is so important that we as believers come together regularly as the word of God instructs us to? You see, there are things that can only be accomplished when the people of God assemble together as one. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, 25. I have personally seen manifestations of incredible power and miracles when believers are assembled together in one place. And the power released and miracles performed far outweigh anything I have ever seen accomplished in any other setting. Now, here in the word of God, we are told to forsake being a part of a local body. No matter what the justification is, Christians are instructed by the Lord to be part of a local body and to come together regularly and often in one place to pray, to worship God, and to be taught the word of God. Christian television is great. Online ministries such as this one are a great source for fellowship and growth. Books, tapes, CDs are also awesome tools of learning. But none of these produce the results that can be manifested when believers assemble together in one place as instructed and come into agreement with one purpose. Even if it is simply singing and praying together as in the case of Paul and Silas. I have seen people healed miraculously and instantaneously just by being in a gathering of believers who were singing and praising God. No hands were laid on them. No prayers were offered. It was just the release of power that came when there is a corporate anointing. And the word of God shows us example after example of how the corporate anointing is far greater than that of the individual anointing. The temple of God. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. 
Second Chronicles 5 verses 13 through 14. Notice here that there is another result that occurs when there is a corporate anointing. The temple, house of God, is filled with the glory of God. Keep in mind that under the Old Covenant, Old Testament, God dwelt in the holiest of holies, located in the temple of the Israelites. And even under the Old Covenant, the temple was filled with the glory of God when there was a gathering of believers in one place and acting in one accord. But God no longer dwells in temples made of stone and wood. So where does God dwell now? Where is his temple on earth? Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? 1 Corinthians 6.19 In whom you also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Ephesians 2.22 But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, Hebrews 3.6 You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2.5 In this New Testament day where we have a better covenant built on better promises, Hebrews 8.6, God no longer dwells in houses made of wood and stone. He dwells in us. We are the temple of God through the Holy Ghost. Now, then if God filled the temple made of wood and stone under the old covenant, and we have a new covenant based on better promises, how much more should we expect to be filled with his glory, seeing as we are his temple, his dwelling place on earth, his holy habitation. Even Jesus himself told God the Father that he was given to us the same glory that he had. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. John seventeen twenty two. And just as in the Old Testament, when the people gathered together in one place, in one accord, and the glory of God filled the temple made of wood and stone, that same glory becomes more and more tangible. It becomes more and more present. It manifests itself to a greater degree when we come together as one, in one accord, in one place, with one purpose. It's the corporate anointing that manifests only when there is a gathering of believers in one place and in one accord. The power of unity, Genesis 11 verses 1 through 6. And the whole earth 
was of one language and of one speech. And it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said, Go to let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they began to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Notice in this account of our ancestors that at one time the whole earth spoke one language. And according to the word of God, there came a time when the whole earth traveled together to one place and dwelt there together. Furthermore, not only were they all gathered together in one place, but they decided to stay together and work together with one purpose and with one intent to build a city and a tower. And look what God himself said about this. Now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. It is important to realize that this account is not some fairy tale or allegorical picture. It is a factual account of what happened on earth during this period. And it is important to note that God himself recognized what can happen when people come together in one place and with singleness of purpose even if it doesn't include him. Now, nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. There is so much power in unity that God not done something about it, there would be nothing that they would not be able to accomplish. Nothing. Did you get that? God himself stated that man, even by himself, and without God has the power to accomplish the impossible. And when there is unity and singleness of purpose. Now imagine what we can do when God is involved. I'll say that again. Imagine what we can do when God is involved. And he anoints us with his power. And that power is far greater in a corporate setting than as individuals. The power and the glory of God is available in a much greater degree when the people of God come together in one place and with one accord, singleness of purpose. And that is why it is so important for us as believers to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Hebrews ten twenty five. There is an individual anointing and there is great power 
available to the individual because of it. But there is a greater anointing and that anointing is only available when we as believers come together as instructed and do so with one accord and with one purpose. In conclusion, I'm going to leave with you six reasons why the church needs corporate prayer. Number one, corporate prayer encourages. Life is hard. On this side of heaven, we face sickness, sin, death, and brokenness. As followers of Christ, we can find ourselves at loss for words, even at loss for how to understand a calamity in light of God's goodness and sovereignty. When we gather with other believers to pray, we can encourage one another to build one another up. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 And in corporate prayer, we can remind our brothers and our sisters that God will never forsake us. Hebrews 13.5 That nothing can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8.39 And that we have a Savior who sympathizes with our weaknesses. Hebrews 4.15 Number two, corporate prayer Disciples, when believers of varying ages and stages gather together to pray, we learn from one another. I remember being well taught by example to pray for God's glory and for his will to be done. And that is this sort of prayer that takes a biblical priority above that of praying for my own safety. Just as Jesus taught the disciples to pray in Matthew 6.10, when young believers listen to the prayers of the mature and faithful, their faith grows. Corporate prayer moves us beyond simplistic requests for ease or health or blessing, though those are worthy requests too. But it teaches us to ask instead that we might be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, Romans 8, 29. Number three, corporate prayer forms in us the habit of prayer. Sometimes scheduling to pray with others makes us more consistent in acknowledging that we are weak and God is strong. When I dedicate specific days and times to pray with others, prayer partners, elders, wives, ministry leaders, women's Bible study attendees, my friends and neighbors. I simply pray more. Like any discipline, doing it with others motivates and grows me. Setting aside time to pray together spurs us on in ways we wouldn't be if we chose to only pray alone. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Corporate prayer teaches us that Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. Ecclesiastics 4.9 Number four, corporate prayer is needed for confession. When we pray with others and confess our sin, we expose it to the light and Christ shines on us. Ephesians 5.11-14 1 John 1.7-9 
James exhorts us to confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. James 5.16 Individual prayer only makes use of part of our weapon of prayer to battle sin. There is strength in gathering with others. If we are serious about battling sin, we must put corporate prayer in our arsenal. Number five, corporate prayer builds unity. It is nearly impossible to hold a grudge against someone when you join him or her in prayer. Jesus instructs us, in fact, that we cannot offer him a gift if we have something against our brother. Matthew 5, 23-24. He says we must first go and be reconciled. Indeed, Peter reminds us that the Lord's ears are only open to the prayers of the righteous and not those who are walking in unrepented sin. 1 Peter 3.12 As we regularly come together, we're reminded to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Ephesians 4.3 Number 6. Corporate prayer invests in evangelism. Praying with others invests in God's work to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. We see in Acts that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Acts 2.47 As we pray, the Lord works to draw others to himself. John says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything According to his will, he hears us. 1 John 5.14 And Peter tells us that the Lord does not wish that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 2 Peter 3.9 We know that when we pray for the salvation of others, it is the Lord's desire that all would repent, and his will that some should be saved. We can join him in his work of redemption as we pray for those who are lost. May it not be said of the church today that you do not have because you do not ask. James 4.2. To God be the glory. Have a blessed week.